Welcome to the Wake and Rake podcast. My mind, you just wake up and go rake. Featuring World Series champion Will Middlebrooks. High drive, deep left field for Middlebrooks. Back and that is gone. Third home run of the day for Will Middlebrooks. The trifecta has the Red Sox on top, nine to nothing. And MLB journalist Danny Vietti. Vietti here. He's a yeah, right-handed pitcher. He's six five. So you were right. Thinking he's tall. He is. Pretty tall. You're from Cottonwood, California. Cottonwood, California. I don't know where I, that is. I don't know where that is either. Want a chance to be featured on the show? Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm kind of a big deal. Here's Danny and Will. White people, what's good, baby? Episode 49, Wake and Rake Podcast, powered by Swing Juice, SwingJuice.com, the official merchandise provider of the Wake and Rake Podcast. Brooksy, dude, I finally met my pen pal. Finally dude. got over there to the East Coast, and we finally uh, embraced. It was two years in the making. Yeah, was that a pretty cool place, too, huh? Fenway Park, how was it? First time there. Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Um, it did not disappoint. Everybody hypes up Fenway and Wrigley and all the classic stadiums, right? And, uh, and it, you weren't there for, like, it was like, what was it, what day of the week was it? Like, Tuesday? It's a Tuesday. It's been a hell of a week. It was, it was, it was a Tuesday night. Yeah. It, like tonight, tomorrow night, the weekends are nuts. But still, you got to experience it. It's still like a different buzz, different smells. Probably just smells that way because it's 110 years old. But I think you enjoyed it. No, I did. And, you know, every time you walk up the steps into the stadium and into the opening, once you see the ballpark, it yeah. kind of has its own feel. Uh Fenway has a different feel about it. It's like you're walking into history. It's just different than any ballpark I've ever walked into history. You're walking the same halls as the freaking Ted Blake. You know, right. Babe Ruth was there. I got to say, though, I mean, the West Coast parks are still my favorite. Oracle, Petco, they're just different. Like, it's hard to compare. You know what I mean? It's like comparing New York City to Boston. How, what do you mean it's hard? Yeah, it's hard to compare. They're different. Yeah, they're, different. they're totally different. Yeah. So, like, I could say that Oracle Park in San Francisco is a better place to watch a game, but it's completely – it's apples and oranges. Yeah, I don't even know if you can say diff- uh, better. You're just different. It's just different. Yeah, fair. You don't want to get in that fight with me. I want to I get into it a little bit deeper because I want to give the whole first-time Fenway impression for those that haven't been to Fenway Park. I wrote down notes very, like, candidly. You handed me your media pass, so I went and sat in every session. I haven't heard these yet. I'm actually, I'm actually excited to hear – well, I got a lot of notes. I, I got some notes on Boston, some notes on Connecticut when I drove up. A little backstory. I was over in New York for business. Will, of course, was doing pre and post game for Nesson. Had to go see my boy and Jenny, which was uh, – I did not expect to see Jenny there either because I didn't know she was going to be in town. So that was a pleasant surprise. Went up there, hightailed my way up there to Boston and uh, was able to catch Astros. Boston, and <laughs> what's funny is that I texted you. I was late because I was driving in traffic. Yeah, and, Nate, yeah, Nate had a really good first inning. Yeah, Ivaldi had a five-pitch first inning. And I texted you, and I said, tell Ivaldi, walk down to the dugout, tell Ivaldi to slow the fuck down. Slow down. Because I'm, I'm, I'm late, and I want to catch this game. And sure enough, he gave up five home runs in the second inning. So it was perfect. <laughs> so whatever so, you told him worked. It worked, but we're going to chalk it up to it's your fault, not mine. I, this can't come back on me. Rafi hit a bomb. The wind was blowing out like 20 miles an hour right field. That was nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it was like 18 runs scored that game. So I want to talk about the Fenway Park experience. 
very unique. We'll get in a little bit deeper into that. And then some headlines too. There's rumors swirling about Juan Soto possibly being on the trade market. Now those rumors have kind of been shut down a little bit and quieted as of late, but we'll kind of talk about why the hell would the nationals trade Juan Soto, who's arguably the best hitter in the game at 22 years old. Um, Trevor Story's breaking out of it. Yeah. That's great to see. In a big way. <laughs> yeah. Four home runs in two games. Yeah. And like 11 RBIs. Is it good? It's decent. We'll talk about Trevor Story. I want to get your take on like what he's doing differently. Okay. I can do that. We'll kind of go league by league, division by division, talk about some headlines, some new prospects, including Adley Rutschman, who right now when we're recording this podcast is 0 for 1 with a base on ball. So he's got his first bag in the big, still looking for his first hit. He's going to be just fine. And speaking of the Orioles, two Orioles segments, that's got to be like a new record for us. Yeah, sounds great. We'll talk about the left field wall situation because the home runs as of this point compared to last season, you're only having about 25% of the amount of home runs this year because they moved the fences back in the left field and it's a higher wall. So Aaron Judge doesn't love it. I want to kind of see if you Nobody love it. loves it, <laughs> let's be honest. We'll finish up with a little mailbag sesh. We did a little Q&A on Twitter. We'll see what everybody wants to know. Um, looks like we got some Red Sox questions. Looks like we got some Seattle Mariners questions. Man, they're really Mariners. They're struggling. How'd you like George Kirby? I think his stuff is electric. Um, he just didn't hit his spots against the Sox, but um, the stuff is pff, stuff's there. He's good. It's uh, he does a cutter that's like sliderish. It's big, but it's it's like eighty eight. Mm -hmm. It's um. Yeah, I talked to a kid. Uh, I talked to a kid who I worked with as a hitting coach at a game who was a catcher at Elon, and caught him his freshman year. And uh, they said they even as a freshman, they Saturday was the best day of the week, and it wasn't because they got to go out and get a hammer the night after the game. Is because they knew it would they would win. He was pitching. They would win, and it would be under a two hour game because he walks like nobody. He has like a two percent walk rate right now in the big leagues, which is really good. Yeah, it's impressive. But their hitters are really struggling. You know who they just signed, though, is your buddy. J.L. Yeah, one of your groomsmen in your wedding, Justin Upton, signing with the Seattle Mariners. That's Was not expecting that. We talked, like, last week, and I'm like, what's going on? He's like, talked to a couple teams. You know, it didn't really line up for me. Um, he was hoping Boston would call. Mm. Boston never called. Um, and then I, I hadn't talked to him over the last, like, three or four days, and Boom. Here, here he is. He's a Mariner. I wish it would happened a couple of days ago because then he'd fly here and I'd get to hang out with him for a couple of days, but eh, life's not, life's not perfect. <laughs> you had to settle for me. I had to settle for Danny Vietti. <laughs> uh, I have to ask though, did he tell you what teams did call Colin? Call Colin. Yeah. I think that works. Um, Come Colin. He, I believe the twins called the giants called um those were the i think those were the only two he told me i think there may have been some other more but the, those the twins and the giants were the the more like uh serious like we want to get this done now and he just it just didn't really work out he lives in orange county right no he well he his home is in scottsdale gotcha. he lives in scottsdale arizona he i mean he was in la obviously had a lease in la because he's playing for the angels um but he's been in arizona this time he wanted to stay on the west coast though for that reason probably 
Um, yeah, I mean, obviously that's a, that's an easy flight. He needs to, you know, get home to his family and it's easy for his family to visit, come visit him. So being in the AL West be too far away. So that had to have played into it. I haven't talked to him yet. So, but I'm just guessing. I know his family's everything to him. So that's probably why. Yeah. Good family man for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I want to get into Fenway Park. Yeah. All right, let's go. Cause that was fun. Just to continue my backstory a little bit. It was, uh, I had a hell of a 24 hours, went to the Webby awards in New York city was uh, representing for CBS sports there. And we uh, accepted our Webby award, you know, yeah. no deal. hung out with Drew Barrymore and Ben Stiller and Michael Keegan key. You say hung out with, they were just there and you were with you. You didn't actually. Why do you got to put a damper on it though? I just want you to be honest and transparent with our listeners. Honest and transparent. We did party with Michael Keegan Key, but Drew Barrymore did not stick around. She literally was there for five minutes. She went on stage because she got an award for a Webby and she acted surprised, even though all of us at the Webby Awards knew we were getting an award. She was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. This is amazing. What a surprise. Accepted her award and left. So that was the Drew Barrymore experience for me. Bigger and better things she had to do, I'm sure. Megan the Stallion was there. Adam Scott. It was a fun time. Um, yeah, that's cool. Good we, experience. We, and then, yeah, and then we had the after party, which was a lot of fun. Then I had tailed my ass up to Boston for Fenway Park, and so I took. Whoa, 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 whoa! You didn't hightail it because you could have been there a lot earlier. But no. why were you? Why were you late? A little, little links, little little golf. Experience. You had to play eighteen first. I had to play eighteen in Jersey. I'm like, oh, I hurried. I was late. Oh, boo, boo, boo. No, you, which I respect. I'm glad you did it. But I just, once again, transparency and honesty here. Hey, continue. be careful what you're doing right now, because there's only one person who left me stranded outside of Fenway Park because they okay. didn't get me All a right. media pass. Let's be transparent and honest then. Um, there were there was a malfunction somewhere in the system where he was supposed to have a media credential, not even a ticket. I didn't even get you a ticket because I wanted you to be able to go wherever you wanted to go. As soon and literally, I was just on that. You were the furthest possible gate away from my the studio out and uh, deep at the top of like right center field. We had just walked all the way back from where you were, and you're like, I can't get in. And I was like, Shit, you know, I'm like hobbled with my ankle, and I'm like, All right, here we go. We're going back through the crowd. Go, I'm cutting through the concourse at Fenway. There's like belligerent fans eating Fenway Franks and down in Sam Adams. And here I am in a suit, weaving through the crowd, trying to get – I go to the security guard. I'm like, can I just sneak him in? He's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So then I gave you my media credential and let you just go wherever you wanted. Yeah, but it was cool walking maybe. through the stadium because everybody's yelling your name because you're kind of giving me a little bit of a tour of the park, and everyone's like, Brooksy, you're so good, Brooksy. Oh, my God. They must they, they're talking about my TV career because I think they forgot about the baseball side. Let me see the World Series ring, Brooksy. Oh my gosh, Will. Where's no, no, you know what it what it really was is oh my gosh, Will, where's Jenny? <laughs> that was that's probably half of it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, do you blame them? Come on. It was fun me seeing you and Jenny uh cohabitate. Oh yeah. We're we're an interesting uh we're not, I wouldn't even say oil and water because we're very much alike, but when you're that much alike, it's, it's tough because you're always right. And that's how she feels. I'm always right. I'm always right. She's tough. Yeah. I think Jenny's still looking for the bar that we were searching for like three days later, four days later. (laughs) 
Yeah, that was tough. We, yeah, so so to, for context, we were going to meet. So Jenny was there because she was emceeing an event for UMass where she went to college. Uh, they were having some award ceremony there in Boston. So it lined up with my trip. Perfect. So she came to do that, hang out a little bit. And we went to meet up with her afterwards with some people she was with who we actually live near uh, in Florida who were there for it as well. And um, we just could not find the bar where we're meeting them. We eventually found them. We're like, yes, we finally here. And then it, they weren't serving alcohol anymore. <laughs> so then we eventually found uh, a bar by the stadium by Fenway and Oh, no, no, it was downtown. Sorry. Yeah. There was something. I don't know. It was open to like 4 a.m. It worked. They had good food. They had some drinks. And uh, we got to sit down and catch up. But let's do the Fenway list. I'm excited. Hold on. One more note. Because you yeah, introduced this me to like a... sliding. I keep getting lower and lower. Work on your stature. You introduced me like a bunch of people, interesting people that night. Uh, at the UMass event, a bunch of upper class people. Some guy owned like a thousand golf courses and a thousand hotels. But I didn't realize when we went to the second bar, we ran into the Houston Astros broadcast team. Yeah. And uh, Julia Morales, Morales their on-field yeah. reporter. And then it was their play-by-play uh, broadcaster who I'm drawing a blank on his name. I can't remember. But then I forgot that their color guy was Jeff Blum. Yeah. So we were chatting it up with Jeff and he was telling me all about his career and That's stuff great. like that. He introduced himself as Jeff, but I was thinking like J-E-F-F, what? Jeff looks like this, and I couldn't put two and two together. And then finally, G-E-O. <laughs> afterwards, it's like, oh, Jeff Blum, G E O F F, G off, yeah, G off. So then finally, afterwards, I was like, shit, I probably blew that opportunity because I was like, oh, yeah, you know, nodding my head. Like, I mean, how many Jeff Bloom stories do you know to ask questions? About? I don't know, but I, I know the guy. So, anyways. Really cool dude, by the way. Really nice guy. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun catching up. I always like talking sure. to other broadcast groups because they have a just a completely different feel and the way they talk about their team and we talk about the Sox. It's fun. Getting a good rap with Nesson, by the way. Thank you. I'm trying not to screw it up. Okay, I'm going to go bullet point by bullet point. Okay. And I did this in real time. Are they time. questions like for me? Some or? of them are questions. It's kind of all over the place. Some of them are okay. questions. Uh, some of them are just kind of notes I jotted down. So the first one I had, is obviously Boston, uh, excuse me, Fenway Park has renovated the stadium. Now it's kept the roots, you know, it's still the same ballpark as it was back in the early 1900s, but they've updated, you know, they got the new right field area with the truly area or whatever it is. And then obviously right. you got seats and the monster blah, blah. Should they add padding to the seats? Cause I was sitting in the old seats or like original old seats, right? They're not <laughs> the most comfortable and I'm a large human being at six foot six where did you sit everywhere i the last two innings or or so i sat behind the red Sox dugout which in my opinion is the best seat of any ballpark because you're looking right at the monster well you can hear the sounds of the game i like hearing what they're talking about in the dugout right and the monster just like i wish someone would hit a homer when you were sitting there that is one of the coolest places to watch a homer because you're just like it's launched right in front of you towards the monster it's really cool Especially if Johnny Gomes is out there catching fly balls. Isn't that insane? Oh, my God. That guy's always in the middle of something. Dude took his shirt off. Yeah, always does. Should they add padding to the seats? Um, Maybe certain sections. Maybe, like, behind on plate or something. But I don't know. I feel like it would take away from that historic feel, which people bitch about it and complain about it, but they still come out. I think that deep down they just – 
understand it. And I think if they added padding to all the seats, I think more people would have problem with it, a problem with it than than people that didn't. So that's just fair. because people hate when they renovate the place. They like when they fix certain things and like the that uh truly deck they added up where our studio is on the right field mm-hmm. it blends right in like you can't even tell that they added it, it looks like it's been there forever mm-hmm. uh, so they did a good job with that and not really making it look modern and new and it's the same paint color same yeah it looks blends right in uh, i think the padding overall would be a no-go for for the fans a couple other notes i had the celtics were in town the, it was a bad game so it was, it was college night so people left pretty early just to go watch the celtics Jake Diekman has the best walkout song of any bullpen pitcher right now in baseball. Do you agree? Yeah, sure do. You mean play it right now? I got it on my phone. You, right, I was just about to look it up. Go ahead. It's uh, so it's actually a funny story. I asked him, and he's like, "Oh, I can't remember the name of it." Yeah, I'm looking it up, or I have it on an album somewhere. Um, it's Tech Nine. He actually made a song for the Nebraska Cornhuskers football team. Mm. He's a huge Cornhuskers fan. He's from Nebraska. He's from Omaha. Um, this sounds sick in Fenway. Hold on. Wait. It's coming. Husker power. You ready? You ready? You get the gist of it. I love it. But that, I got goosebumps. That's cool. (laughs) When you hear that at Fenway, it's really cool. And everybody's like, because it comes on, you're like, what? I want to hear at Dodger Stadium because they got the best speakers in the bigs. I don't want to trade him. He's like, oh, he's so nine scoreless innings. He's, I don't want to, no. It's not made for tall people. I almost hit my head multiple times. That's, that's okay. Yeah. Um, Boston in and of itself is so much cleaner and nicer than New York City. But again, it's like comparing apples and oranges. You know what I mean? Like New York City has 9 million people in it. I think right. if you stick 9 million people in Boston, it probably. Well, it's a lot smaller, uh, like square mile there. You know, it's a smaller city. Your security usher guy in right center is amazing. That's yeah. Uh, John. Is it John? He's John. a for- He's a police officer. Mm-hmm. A oh, lot of the security guards uh, scattered throughout are ex-military uh, mil- or police officer. Super cool guy. We both had similar opinions on uh, on John Lester. I don't know if you've talked with him about that. No, I haven't. I'm curious. Now I'm going to ask him tomorrow. Ask ask him tomorrow. He wasn't there tonight. He, they, they like switch out. So hopefully he's here tomorrow. Uh, Tim Wakefield, awesome dude. Super nice Great. guy. Um, very approachable. Very cool dude. Uh, the, the chatter at Fenway Park is a lot more vulgar than over here on the West Coast. And this wasn't even the Yankees-Red Sox game. This was Astros-Red Sox. But overall, and it was a young well, crowd, college night. Yeah, also in those seats, oh, back by our studio where, where, I, where you hung out for a majority of the game, those are the cheap seats. So that's, And it was college graduation week, so they were getting after it. I think they had, like, discounted prices for college graduates and, and college kids. So, yeah, you were in the, you were in the zoo. Fans are just more into it than over here on the West Coast. They care. Yeah, no, no doubt. They're there to watch the game. Like, it's pretty cool. One thing I noticed, this is kind of a weird one. The nets behind the backstop don't go all the way up and around. So, okay. Um, 
on the West Coast ballparks, you have a net that goes straight up and around down the right field and left field lines. Boston, it has a net that goes up the backstop and then over the fans and in the to behind keep from fly ball, yeah, the from ball. straight down. But right, like I was sitting right behind the dugout. Um, if you rose up, not right behind the dugout, but if you have a foul ball, better be paying attention. Yeah, if you're if you're in the first probably ten to fifteen rows, you're probably you're protected. Fine. Yeah, um, I think that's just like what's required. Uh, at first, it was higher, and I think there was a lot of complaints from the fans. <laughs> and uh, this is a special place that uh, the fans' voice I feel like matters more here than anywhere else, even when it comes to signing players and. Uh, Hi, Bloom talked about that. We had him on the show and he was like, this is a, an interesting place because you sign players, not only because of the analytics and their performance and this and that, uh, but you are mold, you know, trying to do what the fans want too, because Fred Sox nation is such a powerful thing. So, and yeah, you got to, you felt it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. To touch on that, to, to kind of reiterate what you said, one of the notes I have is it's baseball in its purest form, at least compared to other ballparks in today's day. If you want to get a taste of what baseball was like back in the 1900s, 20th century, go to Fenway. Yeah, uh, you can almost like close your eyes and like, or you don't have to close your eyes. I mean, keep your eyes open. You can see yeah. the history. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, that's it. You said purest form. You can really like imagine old time baseball there. It's cool. What is the whoop building beyond the monster? Is that a tech company? There's a big whoop logo. Yeah, I actually don't know. Trevor Story could be your little brother. I have that on here. I think you guys kind of have similar facial features. I've heard that before. And you're both from Texas. Mm -hmm. Why is the speed limit on the I-15 50 miles an hour? Have you driven down the I-15? 15? I don't think so. Through Connecticut. It is 50 miles an hour. And by the way, Connecticut's gorgeous. But it's what? a freeway through the entire what? state of Connecticut. It's 50 miles an hour. When I would go to Connecticut, I would, my main highway was 80, excuse me, 84. It went through the middle of the state. That's where uh, Jenny's family is. That needs to be fixed. And that, that would cut down like towards the city. It like goes from like the Northeast corner to the, like the Southwest corner and then goes down like into New York. Let's clean it up, Connecticut. That's all the notes I have, actually. You got to take that up with Jenny because i that's her state. I'll let her know. I'll send yeah. her a message. You should. That's all the Fenway notes I had. Yeah, it was a good time. We got to do it again. If only you weren't a six and a half hour flight away. I know. Mm-hmm. We got to get you out here to the West Coast at some point. Yeah, we'll see. Let's move on to our headlines. Our first one on the docket, Juan Soto. Why the hell would the Nationals trade Juan Soto? 22-year-old kid who might be arguably already the best hitter in baseball. Well, yeah. they might be selling the team. That might help explain it at least a little. Because if you're selling the team, you're trying to make yeah, as much profit as you can. And if you pay Juan Soto $60 million, or let's say $35 million this season, and next season, that's less money in your pocket. So those rumors have kind of died down a little bit. But the wheels are turning, at least. Yeah. In, in, in the I'd say the, the only possible way they sell Juan Soto is if they have a suitor for the team and that suitor is okay with it. Because it could help 
it could really hurt selling the team to someone if he's gone. You know yeah, what I mean? That's a good point. That's a good point. So it hurts that, his value. Plays, like you're selling a team to to an investor or, or whoever wants it, but they care who's on the team. Yeah, they could tear it down themselves, but then that's their own problem. But if you're trying to sell a product that is nothing, you're not going to get as much money for the team. So I feel like it'd be dumb for everyone involved. I would love to see Soto somewhere else. Honestly, I anywhere, maybe not New York, but I would just, I, it's like Trout. Like the Angels are good this year. So hopefully we get to see them in the postseason. But I, I want to see the best players playing the biggest games, right? Like, well, like three years removed from the winning the, the chip. Right, right, right. But I'm, I'm talking about like, he right. was a baby. Like, he was a baby then. They're like, I, I want to see him, like, in his prime. I, I don't – it's like either they won the they won the World Series in 19 and then they've just sucked ever since. Yeah. So, I just – and it was great seeing him there. But he's gotten even better since three years ago. So, I just want the best players in the biggest games. That's it. This is just straight from John Heyman right here. He says, one Nationals person responded to the speculation. And he said, quote, that's not funny. And then Soto's agent, Scott Boris, said, quote, forget Soto trade, not happening. Yeah. But that's the business side of things, you know? I don't think it's, he's going anywhere. You could get a – I mean, you could get a load, like a huge load of players for that. But There are certain players I will tell them – I will give them my checkbook if I was a GM. I would give them my checkbook and tell me – or I would ask them you know, or tell them, write down your number, it's yours. Whatever you want. Juan Soto is one of those guys. Mookie was one of those guys in Boston. I know a lot of people were saying that he was not going to sign with the Red Sox initially. He wanted to test for agency. Is your pizza almost there? Hopefully it's delayed. I'm so hungry. Nine thirty-six over there right now. There's a, so that truly bar up there by our studio. Mm. I was starving like mid games. I just walked to the concession stands. I was like, can I get a burger? And they just like cook me up a burger. Really good burger. I know. And the and I got fresh fries. Your fries cold. The fresh ones. They were that burger's good. The sauce on it was really good. Yeah, it's like a almost like a Big Mac sauce, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. Oh, sorry, all right, you like the baseball? Sorry. A couple guys that Heyman listed on here too that could be traded: Frankie Montas, Xander Bogarts, Luis Castillo, J.D. Martinez, Nate Eovaldi, Tyler Mayo, Nelson Cruz, Wilson Contreras, Trey Mancini, and Brian Reynolds. I don't think uh, Xander's going anywhere. I don't think Evaldi's going anywhere. Not not until I mean, well, after the season's a different story. But um, JD if the Red Sox, huh? JD maybe though. I don't think so. I forgot about JD. Sorry. Um, I think the Red Sox are about to surge, man. They're finally figuring it out. They just had a shitty first month. Unfortunately, that's thirty games, and they're twelve games back right now. But. They're not playing to win the division. Just get in the tournament. Like, just get in the playoffs. They're three games back of a playoffs right now. That's nothing. In mid-May or end of May, whatever it is, three games back of a playoff spot, that's the end of September we're talking about. So this team's kind of got some identity now. Um, they have, they're playing with, like, finding out, like, their character, kind of who they are. They're winning tough games. They're coming back. Why would you trade your best players when you're doing that? Because then you really have no chance. So if, 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 if he does plan on opting out after the season, which I, I honestly, he wants to be here, man. I've, I've talked to him a little bit. 
Um, he wants to be here. The Red Sox want him too. It's just they're kind of both playing chicken right now when it comes to contractual agreement and the, the number because he wants to get broke off. He wants to secure the bag, which he should. And um, it's a business. It's a corporation. They want to try to save as much money as possible so they can invest that extra money into other players. This is how it works. So having talked to Heim Bloom and Sam Kennedy and other pieces of ownership for this team, um, I think they're going to do everything they can to keep him. And if they keep Bogarts and lock him down, Devers is more likely to stay. And Reese, I mean, they still have him for another year or two, another year, but he would probably sign an extension that wasn't as massive, which Devers is one of the best players in baseball. He's one of the best hitters in baseball. So if you can get him at maybe just a little bit less because he wants to stay here with his boy, Bogey, I think that plays into it too. They're pretty good friends. Very close. Yeah. Bogey's like big brother, you know. Red Sox are winners uh, six of the last eight, of course, when we're recording this on Saturday. That's what our four, stats are looking like. Four in like. a row. Four in a row. And one guy who has turned the corner, finally, is Trevor Story. Man. Four home runs good. in two games, including a grand slam. He's turned to cover off the ball. What is Story doing differently than he was in the first month? Um, so there was a little bit of a mechanical thing he was grinding on, honestly, because he was swinging under everything. Um, he was being attacked top of the zone. Uh, when he did hit balls, he was flying out. His his swing was built for Colorado and built for juice baseballs uh, to lift the ball and those balls would go out of the ballpark. So it was mine. Yeah, mine too. We'll call it that. <laughs> and um, mine was built for like hit and runs. Um, I was built for slow pitch softball. <laughs> so he um, he's been working on, and I mean, I mean, working like every day in the cage, every day BP early work. He's he's working like he's a rookie. Right. He's, he's in here like trying to make a name for himself. So what it seems like, even though everybody knows who he is and he signed a six year, $140 million deal, um, which you love to see. That's a leadership role too. So um, he is just trying to get on top of the ball a little more, a little more line drive mentality, which I think the entire team has been trying to do because they were flying out to the track, hitting ball at people for a month and just not getting results. So we've seen a, a better from Trevor, a much better, um, Discipline at the plate. He's not his chase percentage went way down. He's getting deeper in accounts. He walked like six or seven games in a row. Um, I don't know. I can't remember if he walked today or not, but uh, coming into the day, he had walked six games in a row. So that's a good sign. And they weren't like four pitch walks. They were like, you know, three one spitting on a slider, three two taking close pitches. He's getting locked in. He didn't have a hit today. Um, hit a couple balls hard. He's playing really good defense too. So um, I think you're always going to get. I think he's going to end up being um, exactly what they thought he was going to be. That was one of the notes I actually wrote down and forgot to mention. Is I noticed when he was in the on deck circle when I went and watched Boston, I was really trying to key in on what he was trying to focus on, and I could tell typically when guys are swinging under pitches, they really try and exaggerate, you know, getting on top. You know, try and find that midpoint. Right, and so I noticed in the on deck circle when he was getting his timing down. And he had the weighted bat in his hand. He was really like chopping down, you know. Right. Like, this is a feel thing. Like A Rod and Pujols both are like, I swing down. You watch her swing. They don't swing down. It's a feel thing, so they can be a level swing, you know. And he was he he had a severe uppercut swing that played, and then pitcher started to figure out. Over last year, we saw him struggle a little bit. He hit, you know, two fifty. He started really slow, and then made some adjustments. Hit two fifty, which was a down year for him. Um, 
because pitchers were starting to get a book like, oh, we can beat him up top with velocity. And then once he's trying to get to that, we break him off underneath and he's in these toast. So constant cat and mouse of baseball has always been. After Fenway Park went back down to NYC and went to City Field, another really great spot to catch a game. Unfortunately, I watched Max Scherzer pitch. That was a fortunate. You were like, there for that? I was there. I didn't know that. I beasted cool. it up. And, uh, <laughs> dude, I've this last week I got like 15 hours of sleep total. But you know what? Mom it was ain't worth raised it. No bitch. Mom ain't raised no bitch. It was, it was worth it. But I did see Max Scherzer, unfortunately, go down to injury. He looked into the dugout. Gave a little hand motion, said, I'm done. Something tightened up on me. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee he had been like, yeah, this is barking a little bit, but I'm going to try to go because we're going to do this for the boys. You know, DeGrom's down. Mm-hmm. His velocity was down. Like, I noticed early on, I'm like, Scherzer doesn't look right. Like, this isn't. Or was his velocity, like, 90, 91? Like, yeah, it was, like, 92, 93. Normally, it's sitting mid-nines. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I could tell even early on, like his mentality was still there. You know, he still had that Mad Max attitude. He's still pacing in the dugout. He was having conversations with Buck Walter, like inning two and three, too. So something was up. Um, sure enough, asked to be removed from the game. It's an oblique strain. So he's going to be expected to miss six to eight weeks. And he's going to join his buddy Jacob DeGrom, who's on the IL. Yeah, so six to eight weeks on an oblique is, is uh, optimistic because that's a lot of torque for pitchers, obviously hitters too. I had an oblique before and it is, you, you get to that six week mark and you're like, man, I feel great. And then you're taking BP and you're like, I'm good. But it's really hard to ramp up to game speed. And you really like up and in, like really let one eat and you're swinging harder than you normally do in a different position and it bites you again. And then you re-aggravate it and you're down another six weeks. So they always say on obliques, Whenever you feel like you're ready, wait another week. I don't think Steve Cohen cares. You guys probably has this in his pocket. But Scherzer this season makes 30, is it 40? Over $40 million this year alone? Like 40, I think, yeah. So that means if you break it down, if he makes 30 starts in a season, he makes about $1.3 million per start. So if he misses those full eight weeks, and he averages one and a half starts per week. Just that's like ten million dollars. Bear with me with that math. That's a total of fifteen point six million dollars guaranteed oh, that the shit. Mets are just paying him, and he's not going to pitch. So again, I don't think Uncle Stevie cares that much. But fifteen million dollars I mean, cares. He doesn't care because of the money. He cares because he's not on the field. But now you have um, the two best pitchers, arguably, or two of the best pitchers in baseball that are on the injured list. Now you still have Chris Bassett. You still got Taewon Walker. Right. So got Peterson, still got Carlos Carrasco. He's I mean, been good too. Tyler McGill. You know, they're gonna slow down a little bit, but um oh, I get to watch your boy uh Logan Gilbert there tomorrow. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's pitching tomorrow against the Sox or today, whenever we're releasing this, but yeah, Sunday. He'll be deserves some more appreciation. So does Marco Gonzalez too. The oh, team yeah. doesn't because the team's kind of looking a little shabby, but they've lost like what 17 of the last 24 or something like that. Yeah. It's tough. And then the Angels are good now. The uh, Although they've lost four in a row coming into Saturday, the Angels are good. The it's Astros. The ebbs and flows of baseball, dude. I'm telling you, it's like you can't stay hot all year. <laughs> Couple Unless prospects. These are the Dodgers. Couple prospects that garner some headlines. So let me get an update here because the last I checked, Adley Rushman made his MLB debut. Did you catch the video as I'm looking this up? Did you catch the video of him taking the field in Baltimore for the first time? No, but I watched the video of him getting called up. 
like his, his manager. That was, cool that was awesome. I, I don't think he was expecting it because of the way the manager was talking to him. He was like, oh, I guess this is actually just like a regular meeting. Looks like Rushman did get his first hit. But before he got his first hit, he took the field and just kind of took – so he took the – he's a catcher. So he went behind the backstop, shook the umpire's hand. He took off his mask and just did like a full 360 behind home plate and just took it all in. It was really, really cool. Because typically big leaguers, they're too cool for school. You know what I mean? Like you don't see the human side of it all the time. But to see him just kind of take a deep breath, look around Camden Yards, one of the most historical ballparks in in all baseball, that was really just a a really cool moment right there. Or he hit a triple. Adley? What? Yeah, triple. I'm trying to get the video. Um, the video is not up. It must have just happened. Here it is. I got oh, it. Here it is. Yeah. Right field line. How did this become a triple? That must have been a misplay in right field. Oh, uh, that corner. What are you doing? Sketchy. Oh, Brett Phillips had a stroke out there. Yeah, he did. He kind of tripped over the ball. That is not a triple. That's a double in an error. Yeah, that should be a double in error. But whatever. Either way, it's his first nine. Yeah. Good job, Adley. So he made his. Debut oh, and he's one for three right now with a walk. So Adley's on the board. It's great to see. Matt Liberatore, who the St. Louis Cardinals got in a trade for uh, Randy Rosarena. Mm-hmm. He was back. He made his debut against Pittsburgh. Kind of had a little bit of bad luck in the field. Gave up an inside the parker to Brian Reynolds. So he gave up some runs. Uh, Nolan Gorman. So Liberatore and Gorman are the Cardinals' two highest rated prospects they both got called up at the same time gorman got a hit and in his debut he was not in the lineup game too so the st louis cardinals are seeing their future um you know, come alive speaking of baltimore by the way aaron judge is not a fan of the distance in left field they moved the wall back in camden yards aaron judge hit a ball that would have been gone last year before they moved the wall back it sucks nobody likes it it completely changes the look of Camden, man. Camden was such like a – one of those places that's been there for a while, right? It just has a really cool feel to it, and that just it just looks completely different now. Judge said it's a travesty. I'm pretty upset. It looks like I create a park now. It does. I don't understand why they moved it back. I know it was a hitter-friendly ballpark, especially the left field, but it's not Yankee to where it's – No, but what's what I mean? crazy is the – so all the hitters know at Baltimore – the jet stream is a right center. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Mike Trout robbed that homer, like nasty, like 2012, 2013, somewhere in there when he like the turf. So the, the warning track used to be brown, like turf. So it was kind of bouncy. And he went up and like went over the top and like brought it back. I think it was like JJ Hardy or something. Yeah, I kind of yeah, remember that. It's like one of his highlights, one of his many highlights. Um, that's a jet stream, like right, right center there. The ball absolutely flies. Left field, it was like, yeah, you could hit it out, but it wasn't like New York, like you said. It wasn't. It's like you, you look at it. It's like, okay, yeah, it's hitter friendly, but I don't look at left field before they moved back to wall. I didn't look at it and be like, man, like I could, I could lock one in in the left field. You know what I mean? Like it was like, oh, it's a, it's a normal hitter friendly left side of the outfield. You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't know why they moved the fence back, especially Camden Yards is. It's got a ton of history. It's highly regarded as one of the best ballparks in baseball. And you move the wall back in left field. I just don't understand it. Not to mention the wall is higher, too. So you're not only move back the fence, but you're going to make the fence higher, too. Like, what are you going for, Baltimore? You know what I mean? Like, is your pitching so bad 
that you have to change the dimensions? Yeah, but what about your hitting? I guess they were like, we lost way more runs to opposing hitters on home runs if we would have scored. You know what I mean? They, they clearly did the math. They wouldn't just do that for no reason. Are they just going to change the dimensions every time they shake up the roster, though? Like, oh, this year oh, we cool. actually have a lot of hitters, so let's move the wall back inward. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Not a fan. Judge isn't a fan. Let's finish up this pod with a mailbag session. So we got a few questions via Twitter here. And I actually want to circle back to one that we put on. Is your pizza here? No. Okay. Um, I don't want to get in the way of your pizza. I don't want to be that guy. I'm hungry. I'll let you know. I'll eat it on here. We asked a question on Twitter about two weeks ago. Fate of the universe is on the line. You have to choose one player to hit baseball as far as they possibly can. The player messed it up all farther or further than the aliens to save humanity. Who are you choosing? And you choose William O'Pena? Yeah. Really? The guy hit tanks, huh? I hit the ball further than anybody I've ever seen in my life. He was just before my time, Willie Moe. I remember him with the Nationals. He wasn't like a big-time big leaguer. He went over to like Japan, Korea. Like He just – stupid pop. I mean, he struck out a shit ton, but he he hit the ball. Look up, look up some Willie Moe homers. You got to throw one of them on here. He hit some monster home runs. The problem is they didn't have stat cast back then, so you don't know. You know I mean, no, they had some distance. visually see when it goes out the back of the stadium. 2004, he had 26 ding-dongs with 66 ribs with Cincinnati. That's yeah, that's nothing. Uh, you know, that's 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 a pretty solid year right there. Yeah, oh, I went with I went with Cespedes just because his performances in the home run derby were ridiculous when he's healthy. Or like Josh Hamilton. Oh yeah, I like that. Like prime Josh Hamilton. Somebody said Soler, honestly. Yeah. Jorge Soler. He had a tank yesterday. Second question. What was the most memorable Major League Baseball debut that you can remember? Because, you know, you got Adley. He had a sellout crowd, or at least it seemed like a sellout crowd in Baltimore. Chris Bryant. In Chicago. That was a big one. I was I played against him in that game. Oh, did you? You were in his MLB debut, huh? Yeah. yeah he was facing – uh. James Shields. James Shields punched his ticket three or four times. <laughs> his debut was not good. It was cold and nasty, but um, I was there for that one. But it was like, that's probably one of the most hyped up ones. You know, what's weird is that Colorado is kind of flirting. You know, they're about 500 right now. They're kind of winning games. And then Chris Bryant went on the IL, but the, he's played about a month this year. He still hasn't hit a homer. He's at Coors Field. That's, he's still, he's at like 280. You know what I mean? Like he's not playing poorly, but like the power numbers isn't there. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. But a Coors Field, I mean, your numbers go from 25 homers a year to 35, typically. Yeah. We'll see what's going on. That's weird. Hey, hold on. Pizza. Pizza time. Okay. We want to see it. We want to see it. It's like tape closed right now. I'm going to open it a little bit. You give him a good tip? The who? Pizza guy. That wasn't the busy guy. That, well, I did it on Grubhub, so I added a tip in, but I just gave the guy who brought it up from the front desk a tip. Said, don't play in the street. All right. Wesner wants to know, are as many players being rung up for stepping out of the box as it appears on social media, or are there or are a few cases blowing it out of proportion? In the minor leagues? I would think it's blown out of proportion just because we see the videos. I, I really don't have an answer to that. I don't know. 
It's not, I, I can answer that. It's not super frequent. Uh, I've talked to some people in, in the minor leagues and they're saying like the, the games are flying and the guys really aren't really minding it that much. Like they're getting used to it. I listen to Ian Happ and his podcast. He has a couple of minor leaguers on his. It's a very good show, by the way. And they were saying they don't like that they're messing with minor leaguers in particular just because these are guys that are they don't have a clear path to the big leagues, at least most of them. So now they're tinkering with the rules and now it's making it even more, you know, tough to kind of make it. And so, yeah, but what if it gives some like a different type of player an opportunity? Because I mean, a pitcher works he, quick and, and works quick and, and he can, he can get out that way. And some other pitcher can't, now, they all agree. They all agreed. It's nice. They all agreed. It's nice to get out of there after two hours. Yeah, I just, I don't know. We've, we've been over this. I don't want to get too deep in it. At Pandarica FPS, thoughts on various stats, average ERA, et cetera, and their accuracy in determining how good a player is. What I, I, I can kind of paraphrase that. What yeah. stat do you look at most? Oh, man. Jeez. For me, I, I, I don't, don't look, like, I mean, I don't look at just like one. I mean, I, I still think batting average is important. No, it is. Yeah. Is it the most important? No, I don't know. I mean, obviously, OPS tells you a lot. Um, I th- Babip can tell you a lot. I know you make fun of me, but it's like, okay, this guy's hitting 220, but is it because he's having bad luck, you know? Like, I think the whole uh, expected slugging, expected batting average uh, will tell you that kind of works hand-in-hand hand with, with Babip a little bit um, to tell you if a guy is having good at-bats and he's just having bad luck. So – they, um, Alex Verdugo's expected slugging was like 580, and it's only, and it's his real slugging is only like three something. Like that tells me he's been pummeling balls and they've just been getting caught. So, um, I, I look at a handful of things to, to grade a player. How much fear went through your head when you saw Bogey and Dugo collide? A lot, actually, it was, it was like half a step away from it being really bad. Uh, we we went over it today on the show and played my video. I gave him the okay. I was like, you can play it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that was scary. I texted him right after the game. I was like, dude, you're so lucky. He's like, I know. He's like, you're the first person I thought of. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Um, and he just had like a bruise on his ribs, basically, from the collision. More from hitting the ground than anything. So, he he, he and the team dodged a massive bullet there. <laughs> From the pitching side of things, going back to our question on Twitter, I really look at FIP now, fielding independent pitching. That's huge for me because some pitchers have shitty defenses behind them. Some pitchers pitch in Coors Field. You know, uh, some pitchers pitch in Oakland where the ball doesn't fly. And, and this is fielding independent pitching, which is a stat. This is straight from Fangrass that estimates a pitcher's run prevention independent of the performance of their defense. And then park factors as well. There's constants involved, so it's kind of a crazy formula. I don't want to bore you. That's with. cool though. That, that I like OPS plus as well, yeah. um, just because it, it grades players based off of the average big leaguer, and you can really tell how much they separate themselves from the league. And then the last question we have is, what's wrong with the Mariners? We kind of touched on that. Uh, their hitting just really isn't coming along. Julio Rodriguez, however, really finding his way in the big leagues at his age. I he mean, is, he's, dude. He's cool. big. I saw him in person at BP today. He leads stolen bases. 
He's his comp is Ronald Acuna. Twelve Jr. bags. He got another one today. Yeah, his comp is Ronald Acuna Jr. And, um, and, and, you and you he has an absolute cannon for an arm, too. I didn't know. I was talking uh, on a show today, thinking like, is he a five-tool player? I was like, ah, I kind of haven't really seen him throw the ball. And there was a fly ball with a runner on. Uh, it was first and third, so it was a Trevor Story hit a deep sack fly in his last at bat. And um, it was deep, like towards the triangle, like the 420 in, uh, in Boston, in Fenway. And he caught it and got it in, like a rifle to ball that hit the second baseman on second base, like right on the chest, trying to keep the guy from first from tagging up. And I, we looked at each other. We were like, did that get there in the air? Dude, it was on a line and just pow. So we're looking, at a, we're looking at a five-tool player. And he's uh, I need to see more. It's a small sample size, but he looks like a five-tool player to me. Seattle, we, we've touched on this before, but you remember their clutch rating from last year? It was like over nine, and no other yeah. team in, in baseball had more than a three clutch rating. That was a fan graph stat. So they were clutch when it came to runners in scoring position, uh, two outs, stuff like that, late late innings, late, game, late inning magic. And so everything went right for them last year, and even that wasn't enough to make the playoffs. And so you need guys like Mitch Hanniger to be healthy. He's not healthy. You need guys like, Jerry Kalanick, that did not quite work out early on in the season. And so hitting-wise, it's just not there right now. Um, Jesse Winker has he's getting on base, but he's really not driving the ball like he should be. Um, guys just aren't quite stepping up yet for Seattle. So I'm not giving up on him. Yeah. Maybe just well, I got, I got a quick uh, cool Jesse Winker story before we before we end this. Uh, they, they got here a couple of days ago. It was their first day at Fenway. I was up there. I got there early for the show. They hadn't even opened the studio yet. So I was just chilling at the top of the stands up there, kind of where you were sitting. And Winker, like, comes over and Boston has some guys throwing some bullpens. He's like, I could tell he was saying, like, how do I get in the stands? So they showed him and he, like, jumped the fence. And he was trying to find the red seat, the Ted Williams red seat. Mm -hmm. So he goes up there and he's, like, videoing himself. Like, or he's, like, FaceTiming somebody and talking. So I was like, oh, I'll just go talk to him. I introduced myself and was, like, telling the whole story about the red seat. And I, I told him, like, hey, go find the grounds crew guy. Let him take you inside the monster. And he was, like, so, he was so, like, just soaking up the history of Fenway. And you just love to see that when big leaguers are acting like kids in a candy shop, you know, and they're just like, this is so cool. Like, what else can I do? What else is, like, historic you can that I don't people don't know about that I can go see? Um, and it was cool to see how fired up he was. And it just made me a, a fan of him. Jesse's a cool dude. Seems yeah. like him. Yeah, and then Julio also wrote his name I saw on Fenway, and he wrote the wrong date. Apparently, you know how they write their names beyond on the Green Monster inside the Green right. Monster. Yeah, he wrote the wrong date apparently. So <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, rookie mistake. Good stuff. Well, the Red Sox are starting to find the way, Brooksy. So that's a good sign. Yeah, I told you they would. They're too good. They're too good. That was just a weird month. So they're they're figuring it out. Let's see if they can keep racking up Ws. Um, their God, schedule no. is good. They go to Chicago for three after this series, and then they have five games against Baltimore and two against Cincinnati. So it's yeah. looking good. Who knows? Baltimore's yeah, still capable of beating you. Yeah, let's see what the standings are looking like the next time we record a podcast because, who knows, things could look a lot different. But thanks for listening to the Wake and Rake podcast powered by Swing Juice. We'll talk to you next time, people.